Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. week, you may not so much like this lesson. <laughs> so I will tell you first and foremost, I have to speak to myself if no one's here that needs this. But we have been talking about the last month about reflecting God's character. And um, the main idea was though, so that others may see Jesus through us, we must reflect God's character. Because how many know that if we claim to be a Christian, but we don't reflect Jesus, we may fool ourselves, but others are going to see us as a counterfeit. Okay. Um, lesson one, we talked about being not just being hearers of the word, but that we must be doers. And um, when we hear the word of God, there's, there's a response that's required. We have to respond because there's a little bit of value just in hearing alone. And then lesson two, we talked about refusing to allow prejudice in our heart. And Brother Rayleigh was speaking, especially he, he really pointed out, remember about the leprosy and how Jesus... He wasn't supposed to touch them, but he would reach out to them because he didn't have prejudice in his heart. And then the third lesson was controlling the tongue last week, that we must speak blessing and not cursing, that we have to be so careful with our words. And so that leads us to today. And today I want to talk about endurance, patient endurance. And the lesson is so that others may see Jesus through us, we must exercise patience and, and endurance. So that's why I said if you kind of had one of those rough weeks where you were kind of on edge, you may not so much like to hear me say, we're going to have to endure some things, right? In 1987, on a just a normal commuter flight from Portland, Maine to Boston, the, the pilot of the plane heard an unusual sound coming from the back of the plane. So he turned the controls over to the co-pilot and he went back to the back of the plane to check out what this noise was. And as he got to the back of the plane, he, um, they hit this air pocket like a turbulence. So he kind of tumbled. And when he tumbled, he hit kind of the rear door. And that's where he found out where the sound was coming from. They did not latch it properly. And so when he fell against it, it just kind of flew open. And so he tumbled out. So the co-pilot saw on the controls that, hey, there's, there's a light indicating there's an open door. And so he immediately radioed to the nearest airport and requested, hey, I need an emergency landing. Please send some search crew because the pilot has fell, has, has been ejected from the plane. So needless to say, the co-pilot landed the plane safely. And as the ground crew came and approached the plane, they found the pilot holding on to the ladder of the plane. So when those, it was kind of like the door that has the stairs. So when it fell open, he somehow grabbed that ladder and held on for 10 minutes while the plane was 4,000 feet in the air flying at 200 miles an hour. 
And according to the news reports, it took the airport personnel several minutes just to pry his fingers from the ladder. That is a picture of endurance. The ability to hang on when it would have been easier to let go. And endurance, it's the power of going on in spite of difficulties. It's when we say keep on keeping on. Or when we say hanging in there. Or as the pilot would say, we're holding on for dear life. Have you been there? Maybe not outside of a plane like that, but I think we have a few people in here who knows those kind of situations. I think there's a group of people here that just, they understand that we've had to just endure some things. And I know I'm speaking to people today that could teach this lesson a lot better than I can. And I know that I could hand this mic over to my grandmother and she could tell me a hundred years of stories of what she's had to endure. She could tell me about the Great Depression. She can tell me what it was like to raise 12 children or what it was like to be married for 73 years or what it was like to lose a child and a grandchild. She could do that. She is really the living example of endurance. And I'll tell you one thing that I've learned is just because we gave our life to the Lord or just because we were baptized in Jesus' name, just because we received the gift of the Holy Ghost, life just didn't this magically become this fairy tale. Okay? It didn't just become a fairy tale. It's, it, it, we learned this Jesus loves us, but life can be tough sometimes. And regardless of any of our differences today and where we are in our journey, we, I believe that we just do have one goal, at least in common, and that is to make heaven our home. I don't think any of us would be sitting here today if we didn't want to make heaven our home. And I think that if we really want to make heaven our home, and if we really want to see Jesus face to face, if we really want to see our loved ones that have gone before, then we have to endure, and we have to endure to the end, to the end, the whole way. I'm going to read a short text, and it's a very familiar passage of Scripture, and I've heard my grandmother preach this several times. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets or ensnares us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. Not somebody else's race, but let us run the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Three times in those three verses we read that same word, endured, endurance, enduring. The Greek word for the endurance is to remain under, to hold steady, or to stand one's ground. And we know that endurance is a theme throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament. And the writer of, of Hebrews here reminds us that Jesus endured a whole lot. He endured so much hostility and so much on the cross, the suffering, the persecution. And then he also instructed us, hey, you really need to, to, to reflect that same attribute. And then he cautions us because you can grow weary. So there's a lot just in that passage that tell us who our example is instruct just this is you need to follow his example and then be careful because you can grow weary now the writer is speaking to so the group of people he's speaking to is to jewish christians and they at that time were facing a lot of persecution a lot of temptation those days it wasn't easy to be a christian i think we know a little bit about what that's like but 
Some of them didn't make it. And you think about Judas. He was right next to Jesus, one of his, one of his very own, and he just couldn't hold on. So he betrayed. And then we, you think of Demas. Demas bailed. It wasn't that easy to be a Christian then. But he told them in the midst of all the trials and in all the chaos, he told them, you need to do three things. One, lay aside every weight and sin. Two, run your race. And three, fix your eyes on Jesus. And those are the keys to endurance. Those three things. Now, some of the guys might appreciate this, but there's some sports imagery here. And it was, he, they use sports imagery. This isn't the only passage of scripture that talks about a race or any type of sports. But it was kind of interesting. I didn't know this. But people of that time, they liked sports. It was, it was the precursor before like what we know as the Olympics was happening way back then. And so they used sports imagery to re, be able to relate to the people, especially to Greeks or Gentiles that were recently converted to help them understand, kind of to emphasize what it was like to, to train in the Christian life. They understood that training took discipline and dedication and focus in sports, but those same things are needed to, to be in the Christian life as well. So the first thing they said was lay aside the, the weights and the sin. Now that's also a reference to, to sports. And back in the day, they used to run. There was a lot of runners. So they would come to the stadiums wearing a robe and when they would get to that starting line, getting ready to go, they would just drop the robe. So that's where it says, lay aside, drop the weight. Now, thank God we don't do that anymore. Um, but why they did that is so important for us to understand because they didn't want anything to hinder them. They didn't want anything to get in the way between them and that finish line. And they didn't want anything to slow them down. So they knew that, hey, we got to drop some things. And so, you know, honestly, in the society that we live in today, it's hard enough for, any, for the world to really recognize sin, and they're surely not going to encourage, encourage us to drop things that may just hinder our walk with God. Our society doesn't actually put a, a value on endurance at all. As a matter of fact, I think we live in a generation that kind of wants to bypass endurance altogether. You know, people today, they don't even know what it means to go through anything Anything that needs and requires just a little bit of endurance, they just don't know how to handle it. They're searching for instant success. I'm going to be the next big thing tomorrow with no training, no anything. Instant happiness. If I'm not happy, then I'm just going to quit and find something else. Instant ease, whatever's the easiest and whatever's the most comfortable. And that's why, you know, when we see the staggering statistics with, with marriage anymore, it's so sad and it hurts. You know, and I'm not talking about every situation. I know, I understand. But there's so many times where, hey, you know, that person just, I'm not happy anymore. Or, you know, I just, you know, whatever. It's just so easy to walk away. And if we don't get what we want, eh, we'll just quit. It's just not what I want anymore. And so people just may walk out way before God intended because they're always looking for something faster and easier. My oldest daughter, Riley, is in ninth grade, and she's never attempted to play school sports but she's always liked to just play. She's always been kind of outdoorsy. Um, and she, she likes basketball. And so this year she decided, to, I think I might try out. And it took a lot of courage for her um, to try out. So she tried out and she made the varsity team in ninth grade. And uh, she was really, she's pretty good. Like she can like push me out of the way. Not that that's that hard. But, um, but she has learned through this season 
She has learned so much, and she's progressed so much over the season, and we were really proud of her. Then after the season was over, she says, hey, I think I'm going to play JV, junior varsity, next year. I'm like, what? And, you know, I understand some of her reasonings with, the, you know, being comfortable with coaches and things like that. But when she said, well, it'll be easier. That's when my mom, that's when I had to step in and then, no, no, no. So I try to teach my kids that, look, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. Look, you're, you have to work. You have to press. You have to hang in there. Jesus loves you, child, but life is hard sometimes. But that's what, that's what her generation knows. Okay? That's what her generation knows. Life is about convenience and comfort, instant gratification, just so impatient that everybody looks for the new app. A new way, something easy. But guess what? There's no app for endurance. We have Google and Uber, Open Table, Waze, Amazon, convenience right at our fingertips. I think about what started as an online bookstore with Amazon. It evolved into Amazon Prime where you can just order about anything that you need and it'll be on your doorstep, free shipping in 48 hours. That's amazing. But if you can't wait that long, have you heard of Amazon now? You can get it delivered within an hour. All right, nobody check your app store now to download that. Um, it's not available in our area. I did check. But only for the purpose of this lesson. <laughs> what about text messaging? Do you know how many friendships have been ended because someone just didn't get a response in like 0.4 seconds? where they saw the bubbles or they saw red at, and then you didn't get a message. Friendships have been lost. Isn't that something? Now, I'm thankful for technology. I use those apps on a daily basis, and I like convenience. I, I get that. But I, what I, where it stops and where I have to draw the line is I understand that I have to be careful not to treat my walk with God like a text message or like an app. And I have to learn endurance. And sometimes endurance means laying aside weights and sins. So sometimes dropping things is simple. We can drop anything, but it's just not that easy. And that's, the tr that's true of endurance. It's not simple, or it is simple, but it's not easy. Last weekend we were here at the church cleanup, and um, Brother Brian Boyette and Sister Amy Osborne and myself were cleaning out the trimmings in the pine straw, Brother he did a great job, too. He trimmed all the hedges, and so the trimmings were laying in the, in the pine straw. And he's really funny. He wasn't trying to complain by any means, but he was just being funny. And he said, my goodness, maybe you can get a message or something out of this. And I didn't. <laughs> you know, and he was just kidding. But, and I was just like, oh, I don't think I can get anything from leaves in the pine straw. Just, I'm, just Nothing's coming to me. But just a few minutes later, when I was putting some of the trimmings in a bag, he comes up again and again jokingly, and he says, why is this so hard? We're just doing it the hard way. And, you know, what he didn't know is that same thought I had studied the night before. He didn't know that because, you know what, sometimes things can be hard, and sometimes it can seem like God does things the hard way. Okay, if we, were, if we were truthful and admitted it, sometimes it seems like God does things the hard way. In Exodus chapter 7, God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses couldn't even get his foot out the door before God says, hey, by the way, he's going to say no. 
so you're telling me to do something. He said, oh, you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm going to harden his heart. So you're telling me to do something that's impossible. Wow. Okay. So, and you know, if, if God wanted his people to be free, then why not just free them from Pharaoh? Why not just make it easy and say, hey, you can just be free. And you know what? At that, he just, and then he frees them finally. In 40 years, they wonder, have you ever looked at the distance from where they were? It, it wouldn't take anybody 40, 40 years to get there, but it did them. Now, I know there's other circumstances with disobedience and complaining that went along with that. But regardless, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy when they finally made it to the promised land and the Lord had been providing for them daily. There's nothing that they would have needed. They had it kind of easy at that point. Even if it was a long time, they had it pretty easy. So then the Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 and 9, it says, The Lord's bringing you to a good land, land of brooks of water. You can picture it, fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. Sounds beautiful, right? He's bringing them, and it's something you know, they made it. They can say, hey, we made it. Look at this great reward. It's gorgeous. But look, he didn't end there. <laughs> in the verse 9, it says, a land in which you will eat bread. Okay, key word, without scarcity. It says, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Okay, so yeah, it sounds great. We've got this big, beautiful place. And then that verse 9 tells me, guess what? You're going to have to work because we just don't go outside and pick bread. No, we have to pick the wheat and everything else and then make it. So you're going to have to start learning how to cook. You're going to have to start learning how to use these things. Okay, same thing with the cup. You're going to have to dig. That means you're going to have to work. There may be some long, hard days ahead. That's what that verse tells me, that I'm just not going to hand it to you every single day, but you're going to have to work. So then you follow after that, and Moses dies, and Joshua is now their new leader. God spoke to Joshua, and he told him, Hey, everywhere your foot shall tread upon, I will give you. I think a lot of times we interpret that to mean that anywhere that he just casually stepped, and he casually walked here, well, that's mine. That's not the case. When it said that he had to tread upon, that means he had to fight for it. That there was some type of an attack. That there was some kind of struggle or some kind of war there. That that's how he was going to conquer. Because he was going to have to go through something hard to get that. It wasn't that easy. Now, I think John 11. Jesus just, I hate to say it like this. I don't mean it bad. But Jesus kind of let Lazarus die. When he found out that he was sick, he knew he was sick, and he just basically was like, eh, I'm not going to go see him. And then later when he died, he told his disciples, well, Lazarus is dead. And then he says this, I'm glad I wasn't there. Now, Martha was obviously upset, and by the, same, and by the time that Jesus got there, she told him, well, he wouldn't have died if you were here. You know, because we know the easy way would have been Jesus just there, touch him, oh, he's healed. Never would have had to die. But there was a purpose in that. And there was a purpose in every one of those stories that why Jesus did things the hard way as we would interpret it to be. Because if everything was easy, we would feel entitled. If everything was easy, our trust would be in ourselves. If everything was easy, we would think it's us that would make things happen. Or it is us who deserves a little bit of glory. But God allows the impossible in our lives so that in our endurance, we could know what Mary knew when she said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. 
He is the resurrection. He is the way. It's never going to be us. It's not going to be our way. He's the one who makes all things possible, and he's the one who deserves the praise and the glory. When God does things the hard way, we learn to endure with our hope in him. Our hope doesn't go inward. It goes upward. In 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2 and 3, says, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your three things, work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, typically the first two we understand. We, we often talk about faith produces works, and we understand a labor of love. But patience of hope, and I thought, what is the relationship there? There's got to be something. But there is a relationship between hope and endurance. Hope and endurance, because think about it. How do you keep going? When you face physical problems and you face emotional or financial problems, how do you keep going through that? When you need some encouragement but there's nobody there, how do you get through that? You're stressed out, you're lonely. How about when circumstances change? Maybe as you get older or your looks fade or whatever. You Parenting, how do you get through parenting or marriage? How do you get, and you know, make it even simpler, Brother Boy talks about how are you going to make it from Sunday to Sunday when you leave here? How do you make it? Because you have hope, but you have to have endurance with it. Endurance is needed. It's great to have faith, but you also need endurance. Hebrews ten thirty five through 36 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence or your faith, which has great reward. But the verse 36 says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And what a great promise that there is. We know that. We know that there's a great promise. James said, Blessed is the man that endures trials, for when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life. Paul said that if we endure, we shall also reign with him. And then Jesus said that he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Now, the thing I... Notice about what Jesus said. He didn't tell us what we had to endure. He didn't say you just have to endure for a season or you just have to endure through one trial or just through the first 20 years. No, he never said we had to endure, but he did say that we have to endure to the end. And the key to doing that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, and that's the third and final key that the writer of Hebrews gave us. Sadly, many relationships... And also probably many churches fail, not because they have a lack of love, but because they have a lack of focus. And there's a big difference between falling in love and staying in love. And there's a big difference between a sprint and then a marathon. It'd be one thing if we were just on a sprint, but walking with God's not a sprint, it's a marathon. We have to train. And you know, not only that, but there's a fight every day for our eyes. There's a reason why he said fix your eyes, fix your focus on Jesus, because every day there's a battle for our eyes. Where you look, you will go. What you behold, you're going to become. So you know what? We need to know that we have to press a little bit, that it's not going to be easy, but we have to get some muscles of endurance. So why fix our eyes on Jesus? Because he is our example. He's the pattern. He endured it all. As a child, his parents didn't always understand, but he endured and when he was betrayed, he, was, he still endured. When he was tempted, he still endured. When he was beaten, he still endured. When he was denied by Peter, he still endured. And when they placed the crown of thorns on his head, 
he still endured. Even when he spoke, it is finished, he endured. He is our greatest example of endurance, and that's why we need to reflect him. 1 Peter 2 and 23 says this. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. It's his example that taught us to how to endure some things. And I know that we live in a world that is filled with sin and trouble. Never before, I don't think that we've ever seen such a moral breakdown, not only in the world, but in our country. Every day, I think we seem to read headlines that's filled with evil and corruption. And in the midst of all of its growing attack on the church, it's constant bashing and intimidation. But if we're going to be a reflection of Jesus, we can't fight hate with hate. We can't fight evil with evil. We have to follow Jesus' example. He didn't threaten. He didn't, he didn't do those things. He, we have to follow his example because, because he endured, we can endure. He bore the suffering. He endured the shame. And he shouldered the weight of the world for us. Endurance. It sounds kind of negative sometimes. But it's actually not a negative thing. It's a very positive thing. If you look at it from an athlete's perspective... Um, athletes who train for endurance, they're getting their strength up. It's a way to get stronger, endurance is. And so sometimes I think we need to build our endurance muscles. I have to run a race. It's not a sprint. So you don't need endurance for a sprint, but you do for a marathon. And so that's, what, that's the kind of training that we need. That's why it's important that we um, learn to endure to the end. Each year, Australia hosts a 543.7 mile long, that's 875 kilometers. It's a race that stretches from Sydney to Melbourne, Australia. It is considered an ultra marathon. It's one of the toughest and the longest in the world. I would never sign up for that, by the way. (laughs) Um, But this race takes five days to complete. And typically only your world-class athletes who train tirelessly they're the ones who register and they attempt to um, com- attempt this marathon. These athletes are generally probably under 30 years old. They have endorsements from large companies like Nike. And they are your, like your lean, mean running machines. Well, in 1983, a 61-year-old potato farmer wearing overalls and boots showed up at the start of the race. Not as a spectator, as a participant. And, of course, seeing this man among the young athletes, it raised some curiosity and some concern. Uh, He didn't look anything like a runner, and people obviously were concerned that, hey, he's not going to be able to finish this. He might pass out. He may stall. Something, you know, make sure there's emergency people nearby. His name was Cliff Young, and he grew up on a farm. His family was poor. They didn't have horses and tractors. So when it was time to round up his sheep, he had to do it himself. And so sometimes it would take a couple days to go and get all and herd all those sheep in. And that's what he told them. You know, obviously he got the, the attention of some news people and they were interested in him. And he's like, well, you know, I think I can do it because, you know, when I was a boy, I'd have to get all these sheep. And it would take a couple days. He said, I think I could do it. So the race started. And as you can imagine, the pros quickly left Cliff behind. They were way ahead. 
And after 18 years of running, the runners, what they do is they run 18 hours, and they stop and they rest for six hours, get back up, run 18 hours, stop and rest six. Well, Cliff didn't know that. He just thought that everybody just kept going. So he didn't stop. He didn't sleep. But he ran for four days and four nights straight. And he didn't just beat everybody. He set a new world record. <laughs> Serious. And, of course, everyone was shocked. Like, oh, my, really? And so the press asked him, well, how did you do it? And he had a very simple reply. And he said, he's Australian. He says, well, love, I just didn't stop. And we need that same spirit of endurance in the church. We can't just stop or quit at the first sign of pain or the first offense or the first time someone says something that we don't like. Because if you've been a Christian for longer than four seconds, you're going to find out that someone's going to say something that they're going to offend you. So we have to toughen up. We've got to train for that endurance. How are we going to run this race and finish our course and keep the faith? We need endurance. We need to say, devil, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. Well, church, I just didn't stop. <laughs> I just didn't stop. Endurance is what's going to take. That's what's going to define the church in the last days. I think you're going to still have some that's going to fall. They're going to fall under the weights, under the temptation, under the stress. So I think that endurance is what's going to find, define the church in the last days. And actually in Revelation 13 and 14, in both chapters, there's a call for endurance of the saints. It calls the saints to be endured. It's not typical in our world today, but it is a must for saints. We may be able to get by in certain things of life without having to endure too much, but when it comes to our walk with God, we have to endure to the end. It's a must. And if we get tired, we have to learn to rest, but not to stop, never to quit. Never to quit. That's it. But that's my, <laughs> it's my turn to quit. I love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love you all. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.